0: Aaron Hogan, Rod Papers. Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. out all
1: of his hair. Oh, the fabulous fifth hour on Hook Em Up with Ian Rod gun, B. Appreciate you being there wherever you're finding us. Hey, uh, Rod Babers, of course, we just told you had to bail out. He had to run to do a, a dental, dental appointment for the second straight day. Uh, this time it's about wisdom teeth, so we had a good talk about wisdom teeth and epidurals and childbirth in the last hour. Plus, heard from Steve Sarkeesian, and uh, we we're kind of we're going through some of the UIL early realignment that's come out this morning, this February the 1st, first day of the second month of the year is here. So we'll uh, preview what's to come. Also, we're talking to Jerry Hamilton here coming up. Uh, with On Three Sports and the On Texas Football Channel, big announcement this morning that Jerry is back on providing his great analysis on that great uh, YouTube channel, On Texas Football. That Rod and I uh, participate with, with Bobby Burton and the great team there. Jerry and uh, uh, Rod does a l- several shows, and I do a Tuesday night live stream. and We have a new show coming for that channel that we'll tell you about here in uh, in short order. Hey, uh, but we're also talking Super Bowl. Hey, Ty, guess how many? Give me a guess on this. How many c- total cameras? will CBS be using for this year's Super Bowl? Give me a ballpark. How many
0: cameras? Um, Let's say like 55.
1: Uh, Way under. The answer, according to CBS, is a total of 165 cameras will be used to broadcast this year's Super Bowl on CBS, which uh, I know Ty and everybody starts thinking immediately how many Taylor Swift shots are we going to get with 165 total cameras? How about this? Uh, It includes three drones, uh, five sky cams, 24 robotic cameras, 20 end zone pylon cameras, 24 cameras with 4K zoom, also six joint cameras in the uprights among the 165 total cameras being used for the Super Bowl. So there you go. That's, the, that's a big number. Uh, but it is the most watched television event every single year. And uh, with all the records we've seen break this year for football, watching both at the college level uh, in the NFL with uh, most recently that Sunday AFC Championship game, the most viewed and watched AFC Championship game ever recorded. Uh, I would imagine the Super Bowl will likely break that. And uh, uh, people are already clamoring for how is Tony Romo going to do with the Super Bowl assignment. There's those who have claimed that uh, Tony Romo has slipped a little bit here um, since his you know, great rookie campaign with Jim Nance. That he's he's kind of lost it a little bit, but uh, we'll see. That's a big, big stage for uh, Tony Romo one week from tomorrow. Excuse me, one week from Sunday. Um, one week from Sunday. Ten days from today. Uh, we mentioned you got the East-West Shrine game tonight. The Senior Bowl is coming. And we'll talk to uh, G. Hamilton about that here coming up with all the news that is dropping today. Let me know when we have uh, Jerry there, Ty. Jerry's and, on. We will speak. He is on. All right, well, good. Let's go to the Vaqueros hotline and uh, talk football and basketball and all things with uh, Jerry Hamilton, who you know is the Senior Recruiting Analyst at On3 Sports but he's also now back on the On Texas Football channel at YouTube as of this morning. Congratulations, Jerry, and welcome back. I know you had to sit out for a little bit, but uh, here you are back in there doing your great thing.
2: It's a lot of fun. I got I Come back on realignment day. That's the day to come back, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's always got to be something. Uh, what have you, what have been your takeaways for our audience that's just tuning in or, or has not seen the list? I've been going through them. There's just so many, six A, five A, four all the way down, and then some are for certain sports. But what were your takeaways of what we've seen as far as realignment in high school football this morning?
2: I think for the uh, Lake Travis, Westlake, Dripping Springs, all those fans, it's great, man. You're at the same district, right? Rolling in district twenty twenty uh, in district twenty six. Um, they're in 6A. Uh, that's the volleyball district, obviously. But uh, no, nah, I think it's uh, I, I think it's great, man, um, for for that area that they're in the same district. The, the the one district that's just gonna be brutal is Mesquite. Horn gets moved in with Duncanville, DeSoto, who opted to stay 6A. Cedar Hill, Lancaster. I mean. What a district that is. That is going to be one heck of a district. And Forney, Longview, North Forney, Rockwall, Rockwall Heath, Tyler Legacy. That's another one that caught my attention. But that District 11, Cedar Hill, Dallas Skyline, DeSoto, Duncanville, Lancaster, Mesquite, Mesquite Horn, and Waxahachie. I mean, give me a break, man. (laughs)
1: And you cover the prospects. I mean, is there a way to put a ballpark on how many D1 prospects play in that district? I mean, that's crazy. I'm sure somebody will do the numbers, but that is uh, is a very talented district.
2: Well, I can tell you this. um, Kyle Flood was by Cedar Hill yesterday to see an offensive tackle. Steve Sarkeesian was by Dallas Skyland to see the big-time linebacker and every other coach. DeSoto obviously has a number of guys. Duncanville has 30 D1 guys in the program. The uh, 2025, the junior receiver Emmanuel Choice uh, has Texas, Oklahoma offers like that. Mesquite Horn has one of the top offensive tackles, Lamont Rogers, in the country, who's at Texas Junior Day, as well as a number of 2026 20, kids. I'm guessing, let's just say there's all those schools combine, fresh sophomore through senior class 75 Division One. Prospects there.
1: <laughs> oh man, uh, scouts and uh, people now, like I mean, Jerry like people Hamilton are saying no. That's
2: an exaggerate. People are saying that's an exaggeration. It's not. Duncanville had thirty Division One kids, freshman through senior class, in their program last year. So just start there and work out.
1: That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, we're watching the senior ball here, Jerry. We've got a couple of Longhorns up there, Tavondre Sweat, uh, Christian Jones. I think, uh, I think the tape that I've, uh, I've seen and, and, and you know, the highlights I've seen of Tavondre and Christian Jones, uh, both are helping themselves pretty, pretty significantly here. And, uh, you know, you can't move too far. But, man, if you're a guy like Christian Jones, um, you can show you can play guard and tackle. I think Christian's had a really good week so far. What's your thought?
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think that it's a huge week for both those guys. It, it, that could it, People could say, well, it's a huge week for every player. But, I, but I'll say this. The Big 12 this last year, and I talked to somebody who's actually part of the Senior Bowl, and they said in the NFL scout size, the Big 12 was a little down on the line of scrimmage this year. So to Vondre Sweat going out and, and performing against uh, many of the best offensive linemen in the country, uh, they're draft eligible. And Christian Jones doing the same. If they go out and have really good weeks, that is going to has a chance, especially with Christian Jones, to really elevate the draft stock. Because again, the Big Twelve this year was not considered one of the best line of scrimmage leagues as far as NFL prospects, especially on the interior of the offensive line. When you're talking about Sweat and Murphy, who obviously Murphy's sitting out this week, but Christian Jones, like you said, showing that versatility. Uh, great opportunity for him. And if that body quickness holds up in pass protection against the, the edge and, and defensive line talent uh, uh, there, uh, then it's a big week for him.
1: No question about that. And man, he, he, when you saw him in the in the early part of his career, and then into the middle of it, you would have never thought he'd be a draft pick. Now he's maybe playing himself into a middle middle round draft pick in the NFL, which shows the development and uh, you know Kyle Flood's ability. And then his work is uh, uh, to get better and better as a, a guy who was pretty new to football when he got to high school. Hey Jerry, the uh, the Senior Bowl itself. I know we've talked about. It. I would love your thoughts on. You know, Jim Nagy, the the, the director of the Senior Bowl, talked about how they're. You know, the back end of their senior bowl roster got gutted because of so many guys going back to school. I mean, you you, you you know, Jade Barron and Alfred Collins were two guys that could have been there but decided to come back because they wanted to improve their draft stock. And Jim Nagy talked about how NFL personnel are looking at this thinking, man, we, you know, the rounds six and seven, even into round five, uh, we're not going to have the prospects we thought we were. And that's the impact of NIL and players coming back. Also, you know, the juniors yeah. not leaving early. They're coming back and playing. It's good for the big picture of the industry, but at least for this year, and maybe next year, with because of, of COVID years, uh, the, the back end of the NFL draft is going to be tough to find draftable players for a lot of teams.
2: Hey, that's great news for the 32, 33-year-old guys holding on a couple extra years, right? I mean, first off, that's a, you know, try to get through that the end of their careers. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's interesting. It, it really is not that there's not already but it places such a premium on the evaluation process in these first four or five rounds now I mean because that tap, that late round talent there might not be as many guys um as there have been at least right now you know as we're kind of moving through the NIL and seeing how all this is going to settle and what's going to happen long term but it really puts a lot of pressure on that evaluation process more so than ever uh, but I think it's a uh, like I said, my first initial reaction to that was for the, the guys still hanging on at the end of their NFL career. That's actually not a bad thing for them. They get
1: another year to make a little money, right? I think you're exactly right about that because uh, you know th- those young players drafted in those rounds can become cheap labor uh, for because you got them under control for a few years once you draft them and yeah, of course when you got veteran players they're making the veteran minimum, which is a lot more than those rookies make in the early part of their career. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But it does make it uh, you know we can say what we want about the state of college football and we know it needs you know some restrictions and, and rules put in place and all those things. But man, the talent uh, when you got these guys coming back. Uh, I was uh, seeing some tweets from Matt Miller, the ESPN draft scout talking about how, you know, a guy like, uh, um, you know, for the Longhorns, I mean, some of the, you know, Alfred Collins, we mentioned uh, Jade Barron, Isaiah Bond, um, you know, these guys, I mean, Trey Trey Moore, these guys are already on their draft watch list, right? They're already watching these guys for where they would would slot and peg. Um, This is big. I mean, the Longhorns have filled some real key needs through the portal with several guys that likely would have been drafted in this year's draft had they decided to go out.
2: Andrew McCuba as well probably fits into that, right? Yeah, so I mean, right that, that. that is absolutely true. Um, I mean, there's a chance that Texas, uh, this team next year, will have more guys drafted than this draft in April. I mean, and 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 at the beginning of the season, that's just how it, it, that's how the portal is re- And nil for the power schools for the blue bloods. Let's be real, but how it's really changed the game here is there's no reason uh, – one of the things I look at with these Blue Blood College programs, whether it's football, basketball especially, but we're talking football, there's no reason to be in an inexperienced team anymore. right? I mean, there's no reason to say, oh, man, we're losing nine guys to the draft. We, we might have a little slight pullback here next year. Now, not if you're Blue Blood, not when you can go out in the portal. Um, obviously, some of it's timing. Nick Saban's retirement helps. Obviously, um, but there's something the coaching carousel every year which makes the portal so much more impactful to me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, you look at Texas, uh, so you talk about more, Makuba, Bond, Nyblack out of the portal as four guys. M- Matthew Golden, I mean, uh, you know, Silas Bold is probably a free agent type of guy just because of size, but he's a, he's a little water bug now. Uh, but then you add those to the guys returning Quinn, Kelvin Banks, you get the Calfrey Collins, Sade Barron, as you mentioned. Uh, Terrence Brooks would be a draft eligible. You would start getting to those Cam Williams if he has a great as a draft eligible guy, right? I mean, so you start getting to those some of those guys and the talent this team. And you know, Texas fans, we, we talked about all year on on Texas football. Texas is going to have more guys drafted than they ever have in like a in a seven round draft. Well, I think they're going to eclipse that next year based on what they got in the portal and guys that are going to be draft eligible returning on this team.
1: Yeah, Jerry Hamilton, great stuff right there with on Texas football and on three sports, and you're right about that. Uh, we're going through the numbers now, but, man, uh, and next year, a guy like Kelvin Banks and you know, Quinn Ewers, if he has a really good junior year, yeah. can be at the top of the draft. I mean, Byron Murphy is likely the top Longhorn this year, but you'll have some guys at the top of that draft, which is um, you know, good signs for the Longhorns. Uh, who are developing players, recruiting and, and you know uh, acquiring guys very well, and then developing them for the next level. Real quick, some breaking news has just dropped, which we'll talk about more coming up. But Dan Quinn has been hired, according to multiple reports, by the Washington Commanders to be their new head coach. Dan Quinn leaving the Cowboys. He will be the Washington Commanders' new head football coach, according to Ian Rappaport. And now ESPN has the story. So uh, any thoughts on that there, G, or is that uh, outside I, I- of your level of expertise, which nothing is, by the way?
2: No I recently heard that you know Seattle was the place he wanted to go ideally if he was gonna, if he was going to go obviously Seattle went a different direction. Um, Dan Quinn has a house out in, in Hawaii he loves the West Coast even though he's an East Coast guy. I was told by a couple of people um, that you know Seattle would have been probably his top choice. Uh, I don't look I'm not as locked in on that, but that's just what I'd heard in the coaching community. Uh, but there's also a little more breaking news here. Billy good Glasscock, time. who heads up recruiting for the University of Texas, is leaving to go to Ole Miss. So uh, the coaching carousel, whether it's on the field or off the field, continues, right? So wow. Steve Sarkeesian's looking for a new guy to run the University of Texas recruiting department.
1: Wow, that's big news right there that just dropped. Uh, uh, that just happened this morning. Any word on why? Lane Kiffin obviously doing a good sell job.
2: Yeah, you know, I don't, have, I don't have any info on that. I think that caught everybody off guard. And because it's not as publicized, right, as an assistant coach, uh, so a lot of times those things can kind of work behind the scenes a little bit more, and then boom, then it just happens. Uh, but uh, that, that one surprises me a little bit, I'll, I'll be honest, but I have not heard the reason why.
1: All right, so we'll look on to look, look for that. Uh, Dan Quinn in in Washington, and uh, Sark's looking for a new director of recruiting, uh, according to Jerry Hamilton, who's with us right now. Jerry, while uh, uh, we well, were on the portal, before we gave you the breaking news, I haven't heard your thoughts um, you know, and gotten your thoughts for our audience on uh, the, the portal additions that came in a little later. Isaiah Bond and uh, Nye Black, the tight end. Um, you know how big are those? I mean, you you followed those players when they were coming out of high school. I mean, these are these are two big gets, especially when you're replacing the likes of Xavier Worthy and Ad Mitchell and Jatavion Sanders.
2: Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and I know this could come back and haunt me, but uh, you know, you get my real opinion. I think Texas may be a more explosive offense next year than they were this year. And people are like well, what was Xavier Worthy, uh, Ad Mitchell. I I get it, but. JT Sanders, but Nyblack is a true, true, true down the field threat at, at tight end. I mean, he's wide receiver speed when he opens up his gate. Now he is a real vertical threat at the tight end position. Isaiah Bond runs 10-5. I mean, so, and I'll tell you this, Silas Bolden is, he may be 5'8 and a half, 160, but he plays bigger. He is quick and fast. Um, he can get behind you as well. I think Texas has real speed, multiple positions coming in. And that's. And I'm not sure Ny Black will catch as many passes as JT Sanders, but I think his yards per catch, some of the big plays, maybe even more so. And that's saying something because JT made a lot of big plays. I don't think you're going to see him in a tight end screen game as much. I think you're going to see him as a more of a vertical threat. Uh, I think Bond, Ny Black, Bolden – I mean, defensive coordinators going to be looking at Texas saying, whoa, I mean, they got some really, they got even faster this year than they were last season when they made the college football playoff. So I think offensively now, Quinn's got to keep that that elbow and shoulder ice from the offseason, man. That ball is going to be flying down the field this next year and intermediate game. Um, The opposite field hash, 18-yard comebacks with these guys with great speed, um, and Nye Black just down, down the seam and what Sark can do to scheme all these guys open. I, I think this roster of offensive skill guys is is really scary from a speed perspective, and I'll also say this. Bolden had a punt return for a touchdown last year. Matthew Golden had two kickoff returns for touchdowns last year. They lost some key guys worthy And Keelan Robinson in the return game and moving into the SEC where chunk plays really matter because the Big 12 is a great coaches conference talent wise it's not great in terms of the talent you're going to see week in week out in the SEC that doesn't mean all the SEC teams are better the talent all you have to do is follow the NFL draft Uh every year. You, those playmakers, those chunk yardage playmakers are going to be so big. And what they did in the return game along with wide receiver, I think is big. I, I, I think Makuba is a huge get out of the portal, um, especially with Baron uh, Jade coming back, right? And then you add Phil B and Jordan Johnson Rebell as high school safeties. I, I think that the, the uh, safety nickel position is really strong at Texas next year as well. So, uh, obviously, Moore can rush the passer um at a high level now he's not as long levered as some guys are so playing the run he might get attacked a little bit on the edges in the sec by those big NFL offensive linemen but he is a really good pass rusher Colin Simmons brings the pass rush from the high school level I think they addressed some needs in the program out of the portal really well to match with the high school needs they addressed uh, but I think they did great work in the portal and you know Kendrick Blackshire won't be talked about a lot the inside linebacker from Alabama but he gives you an adult in the room with experience, at inside linebacker, which Texas won't have next year. Um, so he's played, I believe, 100 snaps in the, in the box in the SEC this year. So he has experience. He's got that size. Uh, and he's a good guy to match with Leonga Le- Leung- LaFowle while Leonga LaFal continues to develop. I, I think Texas did really good work. Savea as a point-of-attack guy on the defensive line obviously was recruited by johnny nansen at high school out of high school from desert pines in las vegas at ucla then transfers to arizona when nansen goes to arizona now goes to texas um so nansen must be a really good recruiter by the way uh for texas fans out there but he's a good point of attack anchor uh run game defender so i think they've addressed needs they got to get another d tackle in the portal in the spring and if they do that and he's a guy that can play 25, 30 snaps and be a highly productive player, I think Texas may be a better team next year.
1: Well, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and uh, your experience at quarterback, you add all that speed because if you think about it, it makes sense that yeah. you know last year's receivers, Xavier Worthy was the one that you know, took the top off your defense and you you just saw the speed jump off the screen. But you know Isaiah Nayer, excuse me, A.D. Mitchell was more of a technician in the ball skills and the route running, and we'll see what his speed looks like when he gets to the combine coming up. Um, and then Jordan Whittington was more of a running back out there um, once he got the ball in his hands. But these guys are just all speedsters. I mean, you're putting a track team out there with an experience O-line and a third your quarterback, yes. then you put a Jaden Blue in the backfield. Who's one of the fastest running backs in the country, potentially. I mean, you, you're just you, know, you got defenses on their heels. Uh, trying to deal with all that speed, which opens up a lot of opportunities for Sark and his creativity uh, with an experienced QB. Jerry, Jerry Hamilton is with us talking all things football. Longhorn offseason, the winter workouts have begun. The uh, all-star games are being held this week. Also, uh, uh, Jerry, some Texas basketball. We've had conversations. Uh, frustrating loss Monday night that we talked about. Uh, game was there for you, but, man, missed free throws. Too many second-chance opportunities for Houston and that that great rebounding team that they are. But I think Longhorns showed in that game game that they can really play with anybody, uh, but at the same time, they have deficiencies. I said that earlier, that it's a, they, they seem like they're really close, but at the same time, they're three and five in this conference, uh, so they're kind of a mile away from being where they want to be. What's it going to take for Roddy Terry's team to, uh, to find a win over TCU, who's now ranked and on a roll on Saturday, and, and get themselves on a roll and back into contention for March Madness?
2: I mean, th- the scary thing is th- the easiest part of the schedule in the Big 12 already happened for me, for, for Texas. I mean, even though it's at Texas tech was a home game at Cincinnati at West Virginia UCF at home. I think that was a, that's a rough loss. That's one that could maybe look back upon and say, man, that one, that one proved costly. Uh, but yeah, like, like you said at TCU, why well, was state at home, obviously West Virginia, at home. but then you're at Houston, the next four games, three ranked opponents. So they, there was no off nights in the big 12, but that's a really tough four game stretch. Um, and, and, look, I think that they just have to play through DeSue and Acemas. We've talked about on the on the offensive end. They have to play through those guys. Everybody else has to be complimentary off those guys. And I think they've, they've made some strides in that area. I think there's been times where they've looked really good offensively. Um, you know, you got to get the right guys to the free throw line at the right time. I, I think that's big. And the, and the late shot clock, Who who is in that two-man game in the late shot clock, especially the last four minutes of games? I think that's going to be huge moving forward on the road in the Big 12. Uh, but I think, you know, look, you got to play. U of H is a very physical team. I mean, uh, for people that love Rick Barnes' teams, right, it's, it, it, Kelvin Sampson, Rick Barnes, they had some real just slugfests physically back in the day in the Big 12. And Kelvin Sampson's still having slugfests uh, uh, against, against Texas now, right, at Houston, though. I think the teams that really are physical, are going to give uh, Texas the most issues right now. I think this game against Houston, though, will be great for Rodney, Terry, and the staff to get a point across to their guys. Look, we have to turn it up a notch physically. We have to maximize that. I know they're more of a finesse team. They're really talented on offense in a lot of areas, uh, but they're going to have to match some physicality uh, on the road, rebounding the basketball. There's no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, and then there's the uh, the Dylan Mitchell problem for me because you know, we've talked with you, Jerry, and we've talked here on the show, Rod and I. You know, Dylan is a very talented player, man. His, his athleticism just, just is tremendous. Uh, but as you said, you can't play him at the three position because his offensive game's not developed enough. He can't shoot. Uh, and stretch the floor. So and then we found out the other night you put him at the four, and he gets he gets kind of pushed around in the rebounding game. Uh, but um, you, know, you know, it runs through to Dessou and Asmus. What do you do with Dylan Mitchell? What's the best course of action moving forward against this schedule that they have to play?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think it kind of is what it is, right at this point. And, and I think I'm glad they moved away from the big lineup. <clears throat> and obviously, they I think part of that was DeSue coming back. Um, but I think also was just kind of the, the team uh, figuring out the rotation, the roles on this team, the players and the staff, right? As they build this team out um, and try to maximize it the best they can. But yeah, the the big lineup with Mitchell and Cunningham, there just wasn't enough floor spacing. Uh, just no way there could be enough floor spacing in the college game. It's such a it's such a spacing game now at all levels of basketball. Um, but Dylan Mitchell, the other issues got to make free throws. I mean, that's the tough thing is. Is You need his athleticism on the court, and he is your leading rebounder, even though he does get beat physically uh, because he's not really a four, uh, not against a rugged team, let's say. Um, But then, you know, he's got to be able to step to the line late in the game, and you got to be able to say, okay, this guy's going to make free throws or you have to sub in, sub out. Um, So for defensive purposes, sub him out on the offensive end if you can. So there's there's just – it's a tough mix. It's tough to get this mix right on this team uh, with this staff right now. Um, but I think the, at the end of the day, going away from the big lineup, I think, is the best thing Texas can do uh, offensively, uh, because I think the offensive struggles are going to way outweigh the defensive struggle or the defensive games, uh, because if you play that big lineup, you're trying to cover smaller guards, but without floor spacing in this league, it, too easy to defend.
1: That's why he's Jerry Hamilton, uh, the, the, the best in the biz. Whether we're talking football or basketball, even a little NFL in there, he dropped that for you. And the breaking news from Texas, uh, we appreciate it. He is back on uh, on Texas football. Had to take a little hiatus there, Jerry, but you're back, and uh, you'll be on every morning, right, with the Coffee and Football Show on the On Texas Football channel. What else are you going to be doing at, uh, at OTF there with uh, Bobby and the crew?
2: Yeah, yeah, and on texasfootball.com, the the site as well. So excited about it. Great team there, obviously. Uh, Love doing college football Saturdays with you. The the watch with us, Rod Babers. Uh, Great team. Uh, We have a lot of fun, and I couldn't be more
1: excited. I'm glad you're back and glad to see you there. And uh, we'll chat again soon. Thank you, Jerry. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk maybe next week and uh, talk some Texas basketball, Get get a Super Bowl pick from you as well.
2: There you go. Let's do it, guys.
1: All right, man. All right, Jerry Hamilton, there you go, uh, on three sports and, of course, on Texas football. Find that on YouTube. And, yeah, Rod and, and I do, uh, contribute to that, sh- that uh, channel quite a bit as well, in addition to our five-hour morning conversations with you here on Hook'Em Up with Ian Rodby on the horn. I uh, like working with those guys quite a lot. Uh, he mentioned it, though, if you just tuned in, significant uh, loss for Texas. Their director of player personnel, Billy Glasscock, is moving on to Ole Miss, uh, joining Lane Kiffin's staff. That's a, that's a pretty big deal. That came, story came down from Chris Lowe at ESPN uh, here just a little bit ago. And while we were talking to Jerry, what the, the breaking news we were watching for all morning became official. Um, no surprise. But Dan Quinn is the choice of the Washington Commanders to uh, be their new head football coach. That leaves the obvious question. What are the Cowboys going to do at defensive coordinator to replace who's a guy who's been there three years now and really built that defense in his, his image and what he wanted it to be? Who takes the reins? We'll talk to Ty about that and you coming back. Uh, we, we mentioned earlier, <laughs> would you ask Bill Belichick, who is unemployed currently and all the jobs are filled, would you want to be the defensive coordinator, Bill? Probably not, but it's worth a fun conversation on him Up with Ian Rodby. Let's
0: just... Hogan, Rod come up. One o one nine AM. Twelve sixty. The
1: Horn. Oh man, kind of frustrating for Cowboys fans. I got to think, uh, well, a lot, a lot is frustrating for Dallas Cowboys fans right now. But two seasons ago, Dan Quinn was the Cowboys' defensive coordinator. Kellen Moore was the Cowboys' offensive coordinator. This morning. Dan Quinn's going to be the head coach of the Washington Commanders, and Kellen Moore will be calling offensive plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Cowboys are uh, in need of a defensive coordinator now. Obviously, Mike McCarthy is running the offense uh, at this point uh, from his head coaching chair. But, uh, you know, and the frustrating part is with those coaches that are in demand, obviously, um, they haven't advanced in the playoffs. And so, you know, that leads to the obvious questions, Ty. I mean, it's it's the – I believe it's Jerry Jones, the root of all all problems – but at the end of the day, it's, it can't be the talent because it's nine all-pros on that football team, um, you know, several first-team all-pros on that football team. Uh, so there's top-end talent. Uh, yes, there's some holes on the team, but, man, they every team's got some holes. Um, but, the, you know, you, you say, well, then it's the coaching – well, I mean, Dan Quinn just got a head coaching job. Kellen Moore's been a candidate and just got the Eagles' job. Uh, Mike McCarthy. I mean, uh, you know, this is that's the you're the Cowboys fan, Ty. That's frustrating, right? You seem to have a really good coaching staff, really good roster of players, and you can't get past the Green Bay Packers in round one. That's uh, that's discouraging, my friend.
0: No, but I mean, I, I, I'm not too disappointed with this uh, with, with Dan Quinn leaving. I mean, it, it, obviously, I would have liked to keep him, but it it, it didn't look like that was going to happen from the start. Uh, it it looks like there was a chance. I said there was a 90% chance earlier this week. So I was, I was probably a little bit more bullish than I should have been. Um, but that was also before the Ben Johnson news of him remaining in Detroit. So I I think bringing in a guy like Ron Rivera or, uh, even, even promoting from within with, uh, what, what what was the guy's name? The coach's name again, uh, Witt, Witt. Joe, Joe Witt. Um, yeah, I mean, I have no problem with that. I think the the, the main the main stars in this defense will will, will still be there, and I, I think we we know what they can do well at this point. Just getting a, another run stopper in the middle, uh, maybe another linebacker or two, and getting Micah Parsons to give full effort. Um, if, if that's actually if that report from Jesse Hawley is true, I think that's more important well, than mean, the
1: coach. It, the, I mean, it's, it's true, and it's you can't do anything about it. But it's here's the problem, you know, Kellen Moore, uh, whatever Cowboy fans think of him. Rod gave you the, the numbers. Well, he was the offensive coordinator. The Cowboys were one of the top offenses in the league, um, most every category. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy, if you remember, when they moved on from Kellen Moore, you know, said, we're, it's not about scoring points, it's about winning games, right? is that what he said? We don't want to score, we don't want to lead the NFL in point score, because they did, with Kellen Moore at the helm, with Dak Prescott at quarterback, But what what happened is they would lead the NFL in scoring and and then they would get to the playoffs and not succeed, right? They wouldn't move forward and couldn't score points against the San Francisco 49ers on back-to-back, you know, playoff losses. So you move on from Kellen Moore and – You know, McCarthy makes the argument that it's about being more of a, you know, we want to control it, help our defense, let our defense win us games with our, you know, control the ball. Well, I mean, yeah, they went out and then, you know, the defense was great. The defense won you some games. The defense scored a lot of points this year with pick sixes and turnovers forced and whatnot. Uh, The offense, you know, and Dak Prescott had his best year. But you weren't as good running the football without Kellen Moore. And, you know, that was as much about personnel, too. But at the same time, you weren't as good a running team. Uh, especially in the red zone, where you need to be a good running team uh and then you know you you didn 't advance in the playoffs so i mean this is this is what i 'm saying and you you're, you made a change at, at offense that was supposed to help you advance through the playoffs you went you didn 't make it as far this year as you did two years in the previous two years and you can 't i don 't know if you need to just dismiss the loss of Dan Quinn because when they hired Dan Quinn, their defense was a disaster, and over the last couple of years it 's been one of the best defenses in the league you all, know, they also
0: didn 't have Micah Parsons. When they I were know. the worst, and him him joining that group was was huge. Or, I mean, yeah, but
1: one one player does not a, de- a defense make. I mean, Dan Quinn, and, and, and you know all you got to do is listen to Rod and his rants and his, uh, his Cowboys analysis over and over. You know he's he's brought in players and found players that fit his system and fit his schemes and uh, the, the positionless football he likes to play. And I understand that his defense got gouged in the Packers game, and that'll be the, the ending memory. But let's not forget the great defenses he coached up, the great, great games he had as a defensive coordinator, and you know they they kind of built the defense personnel wise around what he wanted to be philosophically, which is, to your point, probably why you try to promote somebody from within who has that same philosophy. You don't want to go out and bring in somebody that runs a totally different defense or different style, or have a different mindset, because you don't. You, then you got to go out and find personnel to fit that, uh, as opposed to what you have on 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 the field. And I'd also say this for Dan Quinn's defense, to the point of personnel. You know, one of the reasons they didn't run the ball as good as they did in previous years, and one of the reasons they didn't stop the run against the Packers, is personnel. Right? They, you know, Tony Pollard was not hit the same back. Um, they didn't have a uh, you know a, 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 a thunder to his lightning, and he didn't have the lightning he once had. Now coming off of his injury, and he wasn't as good as he had been as a backup and a reserve. You know, with, with Ezekiel Elliott, and you didn't replace Ezekiel Elliott in your run game. Just like two years ago, you didn't replace, replace Amari Cooper in your passing game when you traded him. So you know that's that's organizational fail. That's general manager seat stuff. And then on defense, your linebackers got hurt, but you didn't short up. Right? You didn't. You left yourself vulnerable. Uh, at the linebacker position against running teams and you know it exposed you come playoff time. So, you know, it's frustrating because I do think Dan Quinn's a really good football coach. You and I have you and I have disagreed on that. I think he's a really good football coach and I think he's gonna do a good job in Washington. That's a lot of work to do there. Uh and to your point about you, you're ninety percent sure he's coming back, I mean that wasn't a fair I mean that wasn't an unfair guess because if Ben Johnson had taken the Washington job, he'd be in Washington and Dan Quinn would still be in Dallas. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The fact that Seattle was eyeing Mike McDonald the whole time and that Washington was eyeing um, Ben Johnson and then Ben Johnson said, no, thanks. Seattle went with McDonald, the job that uh, Quinn probably wanted. And then, you know, Quinn gets the Washington job because he was the second choice, essentially, uh, in Washington, which, again, I don't dismiss the loss. I mean, you have to replace him, Ty, and you can't I, – I, you know, the Ron Rivera thing is, is fine – but he's got a different defensive philosophy than what Dan Quinn did. And for three years, Dan Quinn has, has helped bring in personnel that fits what he wants to do. You kind of have to stick with that, don't you? It's kind of like Mike McCarthy. Now that you've built the offense around Dak Prescott and the Tex Coast offense that is uh, you know, called by Mike McCarthy, you're kind of stuck with McCarthy at this point as long as Dak Prescott is your quarterback.
0: Uh, yeah, I'd say it's more true for the offense and Dak. It's, I mean, he's he's limited in what he can do. I, I think with the defense, there's a little bit more. Since since you talked about all the players that they have brought in that have, or you know, they're multifaceted, different kind of players. They can play on the line, play linebacker, kind of like Mike Parsons. Uh, how Curse plays safety and and linebacker. You know, it's. I, I feel like you have a decent amount of room to work with. Like you, there's some uh, malleable players there, and and you got guys that are contracts are up. So, I, I, I mean, I would like for them to stay with the same scheme, but I don't think you should pick someone purely based off of that.
1: Well, and look, I'm of the opinion, and I voice this, I think the Cowboys should begin the rebuild. That would be my opinion. Um, I know people are say that's crazy with uh, you know back-to-back-to-back 12-win seasons, but this team is not built to win in the playoffs. That's clear. Whether it's the quarterback – um, whatever the reasons, they don't win in the playoffs, which is when you have to win. If you want to be a championship team, you win in January. That's obvious. Uh, what you do the, the first three months of the year don't really matter if your goal is to win a championship. To win a championship, you have to win playoff games. This team and organization doesn't win playoff games. Uh, the reason I would say rebuild is your quarterback, would is, to me, is your your biggest stumbling block at this point come playoff time. Regular season, he's fine. But playoff time, he is a problem. He's been eight years. He's going into his eighth year in Dallas, and he has not led a significant playoff run. Um, we're watching Brock Purdy do it in year two with the 49ers. We saw Jalen Hurts do it in year two last year with the Philadelphia Eagles. It can be done. Uh, Jay, you know, He's had plenty of years and opportunities. That's why I compare him to Alex Smith, of the uh, 49ers and the Chiefs in his day, really good player, just not going to get you and win you playoff games, uh, which means that's you know if you're changing out quarterbacks, you're rebuilding essentially. And the reason I say it's if I was in charge, I would start the rebuild, is he's a $59 million cap hit this year, Dak Prescott, 59, which means your options are to eat that and start the rebuild, start going young and not, let some free agents move on uh, and just absorb this year essentially. Uh, to get out from under Dak Prescott, because next year you can actually get out from under him, and start looking for the next quarterback. Is it Trey Lance? You know, and I'm not saying that if you go my direction, that it's going to be a rough year next year. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, you're going to lose a lot of key players. You're not going to because because your other option tie is to restructure Dak's contract, right? Give him an extension, spread out that cap number over multiple years. Well, now you're locking yourself to Dak Prescott for five more years at that point, not just this one year that's going to be tough. Uh, And he's shown he has an inability to get you you very far in January. When you stretch that out, then you're going all in, which is what Jerry Jones said he's going to do, which means you're going to restructure a bunch of contracts to re-sign your, your Tyron Smith, to re-sign the players you have to play, which is going to further exacerbate your cap problems down the road. And is it going to win you the championship? Is it going to get you where you want to go? Uh, I would argue no, especially now that Dan Quinn has left uh, and you know the, the architect of your defense has moved on. I, um, that's, that's my opinion. I would begin the, taking the pain now. Because I don't think this team is. And as we said before, the Cowboys in their own conference, which was wide open when you had the likes of Tom Brady retiring and Aaron Rodgers moving on to the AFC and, you know, Drew Brees retiring a couple years ago, the AFC was open to be taken. And it felt like the Cowboys were the team to do it with Dak Prescott, and they didn't. And now you have the 49ers who are sitting at the top of the conference. You have the Eagles who are retooling with a new coaching staff, but still a very talented roster who I think are ahead of you. I also think that the Green Bay Packers are going to move past you. The Detroit Lions have moved past you in the NFC. So you're actually further away than you were a couple of years ago, in my opinion. But your thoughts there, T.Y.?
0: I'd much rather them take next year as a total loss and and get rid of Dak after, after that season.
1: Yeah, well, okay, and you and I are in alignment on that. that you just I don't think that's going to happen
0: because we know Jerry well, I don't Jones, either. but I, I, don't I, I would much rather that than have to suffer for the next five years with an aging Dak Prescott.
1: I mean, look, I mean, if you were saying what needs to happen, and this is my opinion, but it's been a consistent opinion for 25 years, Jerry Jones would step down as general manager, hire a real general manager from outside the organization that is a football, uh, top-end football mind, uh, and then let that person direct the rebuild. Uh, not Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones. Uh, let that person take control and then rebuild uh, and, and understand, be aware of your situation. I've said this many times. When, when Jim Harbaugh got to the San Francisco 49ers, he had Alex Smith, right? He had Alex Smith as his quarterback. But, and they went 13-3 and in his first year, overachieved because he coached everybody up, and they had a great year. Uh, they were supposed to be in a rebuild year, yet they won 13 games. But even then, D- Jim Harbaugh said, you know what? I need a better quarterback. And that's when the Colin Kaepernick thing, we're moving on to Colin Kaepernick because I want to run this offense. And obviously, a couple years later, they were in the Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick. They didn't win it. Uh, but then, of course, Jim Harbaugh moved on to his alma mater at Michigan uh, and didn't continue the build. Uh, I would say the same thing in San Francisco, excuse me, in Kansas City. They had Alex Smith. They had him and realized we need a better quarterback. He, only ha- he can only take us so far. And with Alex Smith at the helm, taking them to the playoffs, Andy Reid traded up to draft Patrick Mahomes, realizing they had to have a better and a higher ceiling player at that position uh, until the Cowboys are willing to do that or have someone in their front office who tells them this is what we need to do. I think you're um, in for the same old thing. So it might be an 11- or 12-win season next year, but are you going to actually advance in the NFC playoffs when Detroit's going to be better next year and brought Ben Johnson back? Or are you going to advance past the Packers, who are going to be a year better next year? The 49ers aren't going anywhere with Brock Purdy. The Eagles, I think, are going to be better. So you know that would, that's why I would take the tough year and try to find that next quarterback because I know the question is, well, if you move on from Dak, who are you going to? Well, that's what you're there to figure out. That's what a lot of teams are trying to figure out. And if if the trade for Trey Lance during the uh, training camp, maybe that's the guy. Um, Maybe that is the option you're looking for. If it's not, you start looking. to. But where where are you going to find a high draft pick to get a quarterback? You've got to lose games. Unfortunately, you've got to end up having some bad seasons. That's how the Texans ended up with C.J. Stroud, right? I mean, it just, that's how it has to, to play out, or you're going to trade up to get somebody, which we see teams do as well. But uh, just some thoughts. And I tell, him as he comes on the heels of Dan Quinn leaving the Cowboys, he is going to take the Washington Commander's job. So, in addition to not having him, you're going to face him twice a year now uh, in our nation's capital, the first hire of that new ownership group. With Josh Harrison Company is Dan Quinn. All right, we will come back. When we do, we'll get some what's popping. What are we looking forward to today and tonight, including that East West Shrine game? If you want to watch some Lifetime Longhorns uh, playing in that bowl game, we'll tell you when and where. Uh, we'll hit that coming back on Hook Up with Ian Rodby. What's popping? Who you Brand pill, new whip, just hopped, just hopped in. I got options. Just I can pass it, it's like stocking. Just Josh. I'm spending this holiday logged in. My body got rid of them toxins. All right, hook them up with Ian Rod B. Final segment. That's uh, what's poppin' with our man Jack Harlow. Jack Harlow tie, not poppin' and not up for a Grammy award. Grammy awards are coming up on Sunday. That is something that is pop. I will be watching. I'm, you know, I know a lot of you. I will immediately get a million texts. That say, who still watches award shows? Uh, I watch the Grammys. I don't watch all the award shows. I don't. I, I haven't seen any of the movies that'll be nominated for Best Picture and all that stuff in the Academy Awards. But you know, I'll, I'll watch the Golden Globes and the Grammys because the Golden Globes are usually pretty funny, and it's TV and movies, and they all get hammered. And it's kind of sometimes there's some some good moments in it. Uh, but the Grammys I will watch because I'm a huge fan of music, and uh, it's the biggest night in music. And the thing you like about the Grammys tie is that they, uh, they, it's all about performances. I mean, they don't they, they don't do a lot of. Jibber jabber and talk about this, talk about that. They it's just music, and a lot of the collaborations are great. So I'm looking forward to the Grammys on Sunday night. Uh, so that'll be popping for me. I'll get some. I'll make my my Grammy picks tomorrow on the show, Ty, of who's going to win these big awards. I think we kind of kind of know where they'll be leaning, but there'll be some surprises as you well. You can bet so on it. do that. You can bet on. It. You can.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh man, make sure you send me some props on that of who who I can <laughs> bet on because I. You know, I have my I have my, who I would pick, but then there's going to be what I think will get picked. That's what you got to bet on when you get to the Grammy Awards. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. That's Sunday night. And uh, tonight, as we mentioned, the East-West Shrine Bowl will be 7 o'clock on NFL Network. Ryan Watts and Jatavion Sanders are participating in that for the Longhorns. So if you're looking just absolutely jonesy for some football, you can get that this evening. And it's being played up there in Frisco, Texas up there in the Star Complex uh, where the Cowboys practice. So that'll be, what is that, about 15,000, times that they can fit into that place? I've, I've done radio shows on, on the field there at the Star Complex during Big 12 Media Days. But what do we think, 12 to 15?
0: I'd say so. I've been to the Star Complex, but I haven't been inside of the, the actual stadium, the field. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, I've been there at early in the morning. It's a cool place. Uh, actually, I wish they still, because remember, Big 12 Media Days were there, and then they moved it over to Jerry World, right over to the Cowboys Stadium. And that place is just so massive. It, it works fine. But uh, we know this year, Ty, it's going to be SEC Media Days for the Texas Longhorns. How about that? How about them apples? That'll be pretty cool. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. And I'm trying to think where that's going to be. It's going to be in Dallas. I know that. And I think it might be one of the hotels there in Dallas, uh, downtown, uh, coming up here this summer. So looking forward to SEC Media Days. That'll be popping for sure. Uh, but yeah, Star Complex, cool spot. That'll be the uh, the game tonight. Uh, also on the popping side, somebody said "E, well, you, re- you rebuild after you go 8-8. Eight eight. You don't rebuild after you... Go twelve and five. Well, look, I mean, I guess I, I, I see the point. It's tough to it's tough to, re, to to go rebuild if you just went twelve and five three straight years. But problem is, you're you're not getting any further once you get to the to the. If winning regular season games and division championships is your is your goal, then I'm not sure. You know, and when I say rebuild, Ty, it essentially means you're moving on from your quarterback. Uh, and moving on from some older players like Tyron Smith, I mean, you know, maybe even Demarcus Lawrence, big picture, because uh, they're high priced. But you know, you're not moving on from Micah Parsons and C.D. Lamb, and I mean, your best young players, Deron Bland and Tr- Trayvon Diggs. You I mean you're going to rebuild with a really talented roster? You're just going to move on from some of the older guys and your quarterback, and try to replenish that with younger guys, and then build around the new core. But you know, we know Jerry Jones is not going to do that. He's going to keep kicking the uh, salary cap can down the road and selling hope and saying we're going to go for it and um, you know by the way Ty you'll know if he is or isn't you know true to that it, by the extension with Dak Prescott if that doesn't happen you know exactly what the yeah, Cowboys was doing I,
0: I was going to say that'll be a huge indicator on, on the, the, the path they're going to take here in the near future
1: yeah I mean that I mean, whatever Jerry says is that right just like Mike McCarthy yeah we love our coach we want him to be here it's a great hire but they haven't extended his contract so he's a lame duck coach that that's the action right the words don't matter If they don't extend Dak's contract uh, to try to minimize that cap hit, they're telling you what they're doing. Um, Now, again, as Rod has said to me adamantly, that's not going to happen. They're going to restructure the contract, which I agree with. But, man, that'll be the next phase because Jerry would not commit. When he talked to the senior bowl back on Tuesday, he would not commit to an extension for Dak Prescott. He committed to Dak Prescott and said great things about him, but he didn't commit to that. He didn't say, yeah, we're working on a long-term extension with Dak Prescott. He did not say that. So until it happens – you know, maybe they are going to take that path. We'll see. Hey, Ty, good stuff as always, my friend. Appreciate you and Rod. Also, Jerry Hamilton this morning on this Thursday edition. We'll do it on a Friday edition tomorrow at 6 a.m. Every hour is podcast at hornfm.com.